0: And good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mind Split Cafe. Today is a special episode as we have Dr. Alcides Amador with us, who is a longtime friend and actually graduated high school with him. So it's awesome to have him on the show. And of course, we have Matt as always with us.
1: What's going on, guys? Doc, welcome to the show. Thanks for
2: having me.
0: Absolutely. You want to give us a, a quick introduction and an overview of yourself and and what we're going to be discussing today?
2: Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. My name is Dr. Elsie This Amador, and I'm an assistant professor of psychiatry at UTRGV School of Medicine. Um, my specialty is in child and adolescent psychiatry, so I see um, patients at the UTRGV School of Medicine, and I also teach our residents and our medical students during their uh, psychiatry rotations as the psychiatry clerkship director.
1: Wow. You got a full plate. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, the summary of everything he just said is the man. Dr. Amador is the man. So that summarizes (laughs) it right there.
2: Thank you. And um, today I'd like to talk to you all about uh, the work we're doing in one of our UT clinics called our texas child um, access through telemedicine um, clinics or our teach Chat clinics where we provide telemedicine services uh, specifically mental health to kids um, at their school districts and i'd also like to talk about uh, depression and anxiety
0: it's awesome mm. sounds, sounds yeah. like it's going to be a, an interesting episode what do you think matt
1: yeah i think it's good it doesn't sound depressing at all <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, All right, Doc, you want to just kind of give us a brief overview of what the UTRGV health is, and then we can kind of fall into the topics that you want to discuss?
2: Sure, yeah. So UTRGV health, our clinics, um, we see adult patients, um, children, and adolescents in our clinics in person. Um, So we have a group of, you know, psychiatrists. Um, We also have, you know, Um, psychologists also that help us see our patients in our clinic, Um, and then we also have a a different clinic that comes under this. It's called our T-Chat Clinic, Um, and like I mentioned before, this is a telemedicine slash telepsychiatry slash mental health service that we provide, so we could see kids and teenagers um, with, you know, in their schools, so They don't have to be pulled out by their parents, right, to to go to the doctor's office. So it makes it more convenient for them to be seen. And this program, the TCHAP program, is a statewide initiative. Um, So it's being funded by the state of Texas. Um, So most of all the medical schools around Texas are taking part of this program. And UTRGV, we've been given charge of the 13 counties of South Texas. So If you kind of draw a line from Laredo to Corpus Christi, uh, we're servicing all the school districts who, you know, are interested in the program. Wow. Wow.
1: That's phenomenal. phenomenal. Do you know how many school districts that is? I mean, 13 counties. So
2: right, yeah, so right now we're in over 400 campuses. So that's going to be a little bit over, a little bit over 30 school districts.
1: Wow. And your program over, not overseas, but kind of not manages, but yeah, I guess oversees the, the care for those, those 30 school districts in your field, correct?
2: Yeah. For us. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit over 200,000 students have access to this program, right? Not all of them, right. Um, mm-hmm. Might want to access it. Right. But just based on the numbers about over two hundred thousand students have access to this program.
1: Wow! You know and and that, complete, that was actually, good. Oh, and, and it's ahead, completely Matt. free to them, correct? Like if they if they want to seek out the the treatment.
2: Yes, it's completely free.
1: Wow! So I I had a question, and you kind of answered it um,
0: partly before I could ask it. But you said there's around two hundred thousand students that have access to it. How many of them do you think actually participate in it, or have participated in it up to this point?
2: Up to this point, I would say in our in our region, I would say since our program has started, I'd say probably a little bit over a thousand or so. Um, To give you an example, um, in October, we had over 500 referrals into the program. Our program has was launched in about 2020. And of course, right, there was a little bit of, you know, the program wasn't able to fully uh Roll out as we had planned because the pandemic right upended oh, yeah, a course. lot of things, but I would say a, a little bit over a thousand students.
1: Hmm. That's awesome. Now let That's me. I'd like to too. ask you this question, right? So, two hundred thousand students. You've seen a thousand or treat, help treat or continue to treat. Um, are you guys, you know, psychiatry? Are you guys tasked to, like, um? Possibly, you know, with Uvalde and that tragedy over there, you know, just north, I guess, of that line, right? Laredo to to Corpus. But are you guys tasked to kind of possibly identify someone that's really, really depressed that might be, you know, on the verge of taking that next, you know, step of doing something, you know, uh, I I don't even know what the word is, but just doing something that's that in insane um and hurting that many people at a at a school district?
2: No, yeah. You know, for the program, right? What we do is we try to identify, you know, this well, the program tries to identify the kids, adolescents who are at risk, right? If they're, you know, if the depression, like you had mentioned, got very severe, anxiety or something, or something, you know, something more severe going on. That's what we're designed for to evaluate and assess for all these types of possibilities. Wow.
1: Golly. So
0: what's the importance of increasing access to behavioral health? I mean, th- this program is obviously a, a much needed thing. What, what's the importance of this and, and how does it help our communities?
2: No, yeah, so great question. And, you know, per per, you know, the statistics from the CDC from about 2016 to 2019 a, a little bit over four percent of children and teens were diagnosed with depression right um, so if we applied that right to our population in texas right that that's going to be quite a chunk of our of our of our kids and our teenagers so this program is program's really helpful because we can identify early right hey you know Um, The child is struggling with depression or anxiety, and we can intervene, right, before their worst type of outcomes. Um, Another example I could give you, right, is that suicide, right, is the second leading cause of death in, you know, young people about 15 to their early 20s. And if we want to apply it to kind of our South Texas, Rio Grande Valley area of the country, a big portion of our population falls under that, about, you know, around 30% or so. Um, so it's really important to catch these things pretty early to, you know, decrease those numbers.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, no kidding. God. So I, I wanted to, so does this all take place telemedicine? I, I know you said that it is telemedicine, but do you guys have a clinic where your students can come in if need be, or if you deem that it's necessary or how, how does that work?
2: Oh, yeah. So the way the state designed the program is that all the services rates right, um, take place at the school district. So the school districts who have partnered with us, we've identified a space, whether it's the counselor's office or another room at their school where they can have that access to the telehealth equipment that we provide. So it could be an iPad on wheels or a computer on wheels. And we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll do our evaluations and follow ups there. But if there are cases where the student, you say, hey, you know what, it's great that we started via telemedicine, but, you know, this patient and their family, they would benefit for more in-person services. Mm-hmm. We can make those referrals in place so they could come see us at our regular UT Health RGV clinic, or if they have a, you know, a clinician that they would rather see that might be, you know, closer to their home or if they want to go see somebody at the local mental health authority we have those connections in place to get them those referrals
0: that's great so even if you can't help them or they they want to go somewhere else you still help them get there with a referral or what they need to to go see another clinician
2: yep so for our program right um if if we feel right that they need a higher level of care then we can provide via our telemedicine service, then we help them hook them up with all those services that they need.
1: Now I'm still, you know, 200,000 kids that you kind of oversee or available for the treatment if they seek it out, but, and you, you've got a thousand, what is the capacity that the number of kids you could treat? Could you treat all 2000 if they just flooded the gates or like what, how many, how many, patients can your department handle via the way this is kind of this program is rolled out
2: oh, okay so for our you know our typical work week for our clinicians right it's going to be about you know 40 hours or so right if if we kind of through the Monday through Friday type of thing so um let me see the those numbers would be so about 40 clinical hour 40 40 clinical hours per week. So I would tell you that probably our clinicians, you know, if we were, um, they could see about 10 people a day. So it'd probably be about per clinician, about 50 a week, 50 patients or so a week.
1: Wow. Okay. But it just rolled out and it rolled out during a pandemic, right? So, I mean, it's just gonna, it's, how do you guys market I have a marketing background right shout out to utrgv because i graduated from pan am but um how how do you guys quote unquote mar- market within the schools with the counselors to say hey like we've got this program start identifying you know adolescents that you feel may need that would benefit from this you know this program how do you guys do that and
2: Oh yeah, so our outreach, um, we do several different things. We send out emails to the counselors, superintendents, letting them know about this program. Mm -hmm. We also do visits with the school districts in person. Um, An example I can give you is that last month, we met up with um, the Sherryland Independent School District. Um, we, We hosted it like a booth. We hosted a training to teach them about the program. Um, we have them on board as one of our latest schools to take advantage of the program. So, you know, we do communications via emails, and then we also visit the schools in person to tell them about the program.
1: How excited were you? You were. You and Chris are both alma maters from Sherryland. So how excited yeah. were you to kind of go back to your old stomping ground and, you know, kind of help roll this program out?
2: It was great. No, it was great. Great getting the program there, seeing some of the staff, staff members, counselors, you know, from when we were in high school, there, uh-huh. very excited about the
1: program too. So it was great. I'm sure they're very proud of you, doc. I'm sure they're very proud of you. So
0: Oh uh, yeah, doc, he, man, you're, you're one of the, the, the ones that excelled after, I mean, we all excelled, <laughs> but I mean, you're a you're a board certified doc and CNA. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. Come I on, Chris you you
1: you've got you've got Mind Split Cafe podcast, so you you've done well for <laughs> yourself too. Come on, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Um.
0: So I, I know we're kind of always we're bouncing around with the questions, and and I wanted to dig a little deeper into some of the things you see with patients. You know, you're talking about anxiety and depression. What leads Children to get to that point, I, I know adults they have all kinds of things going on in their life, but what is it that leads a child to being depressed, clinically
1: depressed, or, or primarily? Yeah, that... one of the causes. No,
2: a lot of the things that we see right in our clinics that have led to kids to develop depression are when families aren't together, right? And when mom and dad have split up, um, the kids don't always necessarily have the understanding of what type of coping skills they may need to have right in order to to deal with that. Right. Uh, because in a young person. Right. You know, ideally, they always want to see their parents together, live with their mom and dad. But sometimes. Right. It just doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes right, we have to go in and say, hey, you know what? Although. Right. Um, this isn't working out between the, the mom and the dad. Um, still got to foster in the child, like, hey, this doesn't mean that mom or dad doesn't love you, right? Um, this is just something that hasn't worked out. And just explain to them in a developmentally appropriate way like, hey, you know, this is happening, but we still care for you. Because sometimes the 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 children and the teens feel like, oh, it was my fault that my parents aren't together, or I could have done something differently. Mm-hmm. So we just got to reiterate to them that it's not their fault. Mm. Other things is, that was
0: go
2: ahead. I was gonna say other things that we see that have contributed to depression is you know the increasing use of social media
1: in, in gonna, young people. I was gonna ask you about that, especially like doom scrolling. You know, that's kind of the new, you know, where you're just scrolling and it just getting worse and worse because they're seeing all of other people living these lifestyles that maybe they, you know admire or wish you know that they could live so talk a little bit about social media and how it's affecting the youth in for depression anxiety
2: no yeah for what happens is that right the kids may be scrolling and they see very idealized very you know picture perfect uh posts of people doing things uh when it might not be a hundred percent accurate right about Mm -hmm. like oh yeah I'm living my best life. Right. So the kids might feel bad. It's like, oh, well, I can't, I'm not able to do that. I don't have these many followers. I don't have this. So they start feeling bad about themselves that they can't achieve that level of happiness or success that somebody's were that they have on, you know, on one of the social media platforms. And we know, right, that these social media programs, um, they hire, right, neuroscientists, behavioralists to say, hey, how can we get kids and, you know, adults to keep on clicking, keep on clicking, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they have their ways of trying to make sure that you're on it. That's
0: interesting. That is absolutely interesting.
1: So they have, they have doctors, they have colleagues of yours pretty much, right? Working for the other side am i am i correct when i say that that statement you, you have colleagues that are working for these social media platforms that are trying to get their users and analyze their users to engage more correct
2: yep yeah. you know they they consult with you know experts and behaviorists and things like that kind of like in kind of like in marketing types of things like what types of things would get people interested in our products right
0: Mhm. Wow. That's that's interesting. I had no idea. I mean, I knew they they played off people's mannerisms and behaviors, but I didn't know they went that deep and hired clinicians or experts on it. That's interesting. So,
2: yeah, competing rates uh, competing priorities, right, for people, right? The companies want to be successful and ways to be successful is that they have to understand human behavior. And what can get somebody to, you know, be more more likely to click and stay on their platform?
1: Now, this might sound like a a dumb question, right? But that's kind of why I'm here. I asked kind of the every man, the everyday man questions, right? But as you as a clinician that is doing God's work and trying to help these kids in these 200 schools, uh what 200,000 kids 30 school districts and that's just your your area but somebody that's doing this and then you know of clinicians or colleagues that are on the other side right trying to get them to engage and you're basically they they're helping get these kids to what you're trying to help right or prevent do you are those are those colleagues, are they vilified within the community of, you know, of other of other doctors or is it just like, hey, go, you know, they're getting paid to consult. So let them get their money. I'm just I'm curious to see if there's some sort of animosity amongst the community of of those clinicians that are kind of helping the dark side, so to speak.
2: Yeah, what I would tell you is that. Nothing that that I've run into like at like at meetings or you know on you know on the internet where things are kind of explicitly said, but you know, people would be like, hmm, you know, that's very questionable <laughs> that yeah. that you're that you're doing those types of things. Yeah. But not very but not, I would tell you that it's not very like
0: vocal out there.
1: Mm. So there's no there's no there's not gonna be a fight at a convention, right? There's not no uh-uh. <laughs> No. Uh oh, that's funny. Um, a dance off. Like something you'd see in a Michael Jackson video, you know, everybody <laughs> just dancing off in the ballroom, you know. So, After
0: <laughs> so what but is it, a typical oh go ahead. But I was gonna say,
2: you know, and that's why it's important uh, for parents right to to monitor right uh our kids' social media use just to make sure, hey. Is there social media use getting out of hand? We need to set, you know, certain boundaries of this, right? Um, because, it, like with anything, right, um, parents need to be aware of what their kids are doing, and you know, especially when you're giving them access to the the whole you know, the whole totality of the internet, right? There's good and there's bad, but you know, the parents have to be very mindful, right, about what their kids are posting, you know, what they're watching.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was kind of, I was going to kind of segue into that. What, what can parents do to alleviate this or to, to at least keep them from going down that dark hole and becoming sad, depressed, and, and anxious?
2: Now, some of the things, right, parents, you know, I recommend for them to do, right, set those, you know, time boundaries, like, hey, you know, you can only use social media for, you know, X amount of time a day or a week, um, the things that are appropriate to post and not appropriate to post. Other things, it right, that are going to be helpful is to families to reiterate to their kids, hey, you know, not necessarily everything we see posted on social media is based, you know, on the truth of what mm-hmm. is really going on.
0: Yes. A lot of it's glamorized and and not all true. There, people a lot of, always post what they want to show and not what's really going on, or at least that's what I feel.
1: Yep. I, I mean mm-hmm. I feel that it happens that that social media or that doom scrolling. I think it you know, I know Doc is his specializing in adolescence, but I think it it, it affects, you know, adults as well, you know, because oh, yeah. you know, I'm a middle aged, I'm forty-five years old, and I can still feel the effects of, you know, the whole like, oh well, I'm not there or I'm not this, and it leads me down the rabbit hole of of you know negative feelings and self you know self-doubt right and so oh it's just it's just i don't know it's social media can be great but you like doc said you definitely have to understand it
0: double-edged sword Mm -hmm. so now on the other side of the table to that what do yourself or clinicians like you do to help treat the patient, the child, when they get to that point. Oh, God. So or, or treatment plan.
2: No, yeah, definitely. If we're dealing with things like depression and anxiety, right? Gonna reiterate to to the patients and the families, like, hey, you know what? Um, different types of psychotherapies can be very helpful. One of the most popular ones is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, that can be uh, that can be used. It's a really great one for kids adolescents and and adults, a lot of good data out there that can be very helpful. That being said, right, it is going to take dedication from um, the patient's part and the family's part to make sure that the patient's keeping track of, um, you know, their assignments that they'll be given in the cognitive behavioral therapy, actively using the skills that the therapist is teaching them, you know, the clinician working with them. So those are, you know, those are one of the best treatments out there. Now, for cases where, you know, somebody, you know, has more of a moderate to a severe type of depression, then we have that conversation about, hey, you know what, what do we think about medication? Can't, you know, is this something we should consider? Mm -hmm.
0: So it seems like talk therapy is is the first route and medication will be the, the last resort.
2: Yep. And what I like to explain to the families and our and our patients is that um, imagine, right, let's say I'm a person and I have, you know, high blood pressure, you know, um, lots of cholesterol. My doctor can tell, give me all the medicines in the world, but they're probably also going to recommend, hey, you know, you got to also do some exercise,
1: yeah.
2: change your diet. So you can think of the psychotherapy, the cognitive behavioral therapy as the exercise of your mind. Just to make sure that you're doing everything possible, exercising your mind, using coping skills. And then we can see if you could be off, you know, your medication, you know, sooner rather than later.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: very similar.
1: I love that analogy.
0: Yeah, that, that was a great analogy, actually.
1: Yeah.
0: It kind of seems like CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. And Matt, you could probably remember that most of our our episodes, I do ask, like, what's your favorite modality for a certain treatment? And it seems like CBT is like the gold standard. Yeah,
2: no, definitely. It is, especially for child and adolescent psychiatry is it's one of the go-tos. That's
0: awesome. I I am definitely finding this out now. It seems like a lot of clinicians lean towards that. Now I, I wanna touch right back again. I know we're probably running out a little bit, running out of time yeah, uh, but I wanted to ask about the the setup. you have I know you guys have it set up as telemedicine. Why is that? why Why did you guys lean towards telemedicine other than you know trying to reach as many people as once? But I'm sure there's some more stuff to it than just the uh, being able to reach so many people at once.
2: Yeah, so one of the reasons that it was done for you know telemedicine reasons, uh, besides trying to reach as many people at once, was that the thought is that in our program, let's say um, we have a long wait list for the UTRGV teach team, mm-hmm. and maybe somebody else, like let's say in Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, one of the medical schools out there, um, they say, hey, you know what? Um, we have an opening right now. Mm-hmm. It could be possible for that student, right? Instead of waiting for weeks and weeks at a time, um, on the wait list, if there's an opening somewhere else, you know around the state, they could be plugged in there.
1: That's a, that, yeah. And do do the, do the youth or do the adolescents have the same therapist every time? or oh yeah, okay. so they, yeah, but... the therapist follows that child, right?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. yeah. So what we do is that our process is that once a child is referred into the program, they come to the intake and assessment where the team we get the background information on what's going on. And that clinician who does the you know, intake and the assessment, they will follow that child, right, you know, throughout the program, right? So there might be cases where let's say um, um, the first clinician that sees them at the intake and the assessment, right? Let's say it's somebody from our psychology team. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I, I need to see this patient for psychotherapy. But I also think that we're going to need one of our psychiatrists' opinion that is medication, would it be helpful to them? They will do that internal referral for us to see that patient also, to put them on our schedule, to see them. So they're receiving both treatments psychiatrically and through psychotherapy, too. Wow.
0: So the continuity of care is is a complete circle at that point. Yep. I love it. That's
1: awesome. I love that. Well, Doc, thank you so much for joining the show this week. What you've given us, the little nuggets of knowledge, have been mind-blowing. And, and I I wish you all the best. I hope you can reach every single one of those 200,000 students because I think what you're doing changes lives. So I wish you all the best. And again, thank you for joining the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me and you know, giving me the opportunity to, you know, get the word out there about the program.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. And we'll, we'll put some resources on our website and throughout the episode, I'm sure we'll put some resources up for UTRGV Health and, and the program that you have going on. Is
1: there, a, is there a way that they can get in touch with your office via website or phone number that you'd like to share right now?
2: Yes. And if, you would li- if you'd like, I can actually share my screen. So sure. if... So yeah, so let me get to. Oh, it says that I'm not able to share the screen. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just read out the number to you. So um our office number is 956-296-7841. Okay. And our our email for our t-chat program is gonna be tChat, which is T C h-a-t-t at utrgv.edu
1: awesome you heard it here first T Chat at utrgv.edu and we'll make sure the the phone number gets posted on the description below so dr amador thank you so much again for joining the show chris got any last words
0: yeah uh again uh thank you so much for joining the show thank you for taking the time um I find it awesome that you know I went to high school with you I grew up with you and and you're doing such good things in the mental health space and I couldn't be more proud and happy for you so keep it up
2: Thank you so much it's great take being care. here
1: Yeah take yeah. care doc visa <laughs> Have a good night, everyone Like we weren't supposed to come up with something this clean, (laughs) you know, like something happened